0: Welcome to the League of Leaders podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Davis. Today, I am honored to have the Tony Lowe on the mic with me today. But let me tell you a little bit about Tony. Tony spent an entire decade plus career as an advocate for women and minorities in the workplace, challenging Fortune 100, 200 and 500 organizations to eradicate pay disparities for women and bridge the career gap for underrepresented minority professionals entering the workplace. Tony currently serves as a diversity, career, and workforce strategist and is a sought after speaker, panelist, and moderator. She has partnered with recognized brands and organizations like Google, Southwest Airlines, Ally Financial, BB&T, The Limited, and the United States Black Chamber of Commerce. Her insights have appeared on Forbes, NBC News, Huffington Post, Black Enterprise, Business Management Daily, and Glassdoor to name a few. She is a graduate of the Central University of Central Florida where she earned her bachelor's degree in interpersonal communication. She also earned her master's degree in human resource management from the University of Phoenix and earned an executive certificate in HR leadership from Cornell University, School of Industrial and Labor Relations. Additionally, Tony holds professional in human resources and society for human resource management designations. And she serves beyond her craft in the office uh, to provide professional and civic organization uh, services to the University of Central Florida Alumni Association, Dallas Board of Directors, uh, former president of the National Association of African Americans and Human Resources, Dallas chapter, Uh, Society of Human Resource Management, she's a member up until 2020, the Dallas Regional Chamber, 2016 Young Professionals Class, Delta Sigma Theta Sorority Incorporated, the Texas Board of the National Diversity Council, and the Jewish Federation of Greater Dallas Multicultural Leader Advisory Council from 2019 to 2021. Uh, That's a lot. Tony, welcome to the show.
1: (laughs) Thanks. Thanks. Thanks for having me.
0: You know, I, I was actually in between seasons and just kind of resting and planning ahead for the next season. And then I said, you know what? I need to properly close out season one with you. It's only okay. so like, right I, got, I had to have you in this first season. Um, so I had to, to reach out and, you know, apparently it worked out our, our schedules. And so you're here today.
1: Yeah, I would have been a little saucy if I won season one. I feel like I'm a season oneer type. Exactly. Connect.
0: <laughs> and so here you're closing it out. Like, what's that? That's uh, one of the most important legs in a race. It's that anchor leg that just comes up and closes it. Listen. Yeah. And, and breaks the tape. Drop the mic. There you go. <laughs> so I like to explain or just kind of share how I know uh, my guests. You know, what's my relationship with them? And. I've known you since what? 2009? Or 2000. Yeah. Yeah, it had to be 2009.
1: Yeah, two thousand. We started, we started, yeah, I'll let you tell it, but yeah, 2009. That's
0: right. <laughs> About <laughs> 2009 or so, because um, I just met my wife the year before, at the end of 2008. That's how I remember, because it was so close to 2009. So it's 2009 we met. Um, and you've since then married one of my closest friends, Quinn Lowe. Um, Mm -hmm. One of my closest friends and former business partners. But what's funny is that you and I are to each other what we hate in other people, (laughs) and that is friend stealers. Oh my gosh. Yes. 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 And it's funny how I met you through Quinn, and I talk to you more than Quinn. And um, it's just crazy. People may think that it's the other way around.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I, almost to the point now that my husband is like, I mean, that's basically your friend. Like, <laughs> like I mean, won't you tell me how he's doing? Like, I mean, it's just it's just an accepted fact at this point.
0: Yeah, but it's it's funny because we both hate like friend stealers. Where we, we our circles collide and or overlap, yeah. and it's like, hey, how would you get cool with?
1: Yeah, so-and-so? yeah. And and here's the thing: what people don't know, because I mean. <laughs> Kevin is one of those people that I have repeatedly been jealous because I have invited him into my circle of friends, people I went to college with, people like... And literally, he is friends. We have so many mutual friends at this point. Like, it's insane. That To the point where I, like, get angry, like, when people, like, comment on your page or they act like they know you. And I'm like, dude, like, we're going on a decade of friendship. You yeah. just showed up, like, two years ago. And you, like, I'm like, you don't even know him like that. You know him from social, okay? Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, we we really do hate still stillers, but we are, we pretty much,
0: um, I mean... Yeah, it's the hip. It's, part it's the funny hip-hop. that you say that because uh, on Instagram uh, some of our friends pop up and it just dawns on me like I only know like Egan. I know mm-hmm. um, who else? Who else pops up kind of random uh, randomly and I'm like, "Oh yeah, we did meet. You known him for long for like almost a decade now yeah and it's because i know them from your wedding yeah and it you know that was like the kickoff spot where we everybody just became i you mean know, we were stuck together for what like four or five days down in mexico so we just yeah. bonded and built community and you know those some of those people turned to clients uh yeah it's crazy a lot, of, a lot of things together so it's kind of cool yeah. how we've meshed together but we also hate France dealers at the same time <laughs> <laughs> but, but I will say, I've looked up and I've seen you have popped up on uh, panels for different people. And they're like, oh, oh I, found yeah. her, I found her on your and page. And like,
1: I didn't realize you were really good friends um, with Jacqueline, right? Yep. Um, who you had um, on this season as well. Yep. Um But I should have known that whole Detroit connection. So everyone is pretty much brilliant in Detroit. Y'all know each other. But it's crazy. Like, she is somebody that has become like... <laughs> a very like minded, you know, kind of um, you know, female, you know, type leader that I kind of bend her ear and she bends mine. And yeah. so we just have great conversations. So See,
0: I don't mind yeah. that type, you know, Yeah, it's, it's, like it's we're like, not like- going on vacation. People. At
1: least not yet. I mean, <laughs> I would go on vacation if she invited me. Cause she just that cool. But like right. but yeah, no, like, but I mean we have a lot of people who have tried to like Get into our circle. Creep in,
0: right? Yes, right. yes. <laughs> but yeah, it's yeah. J- Jackie's definitely cool people. I mean, she's on. You know, she's we are on that weekly text message basis, checking in <laughs> what's going on. It's like minded people. Yeah, You're not that common. I, I mean, I, that's not a brag point or something. Certain people think a it's certain a humble way, brag. And it's though. easy to. <laughs> I mean, you want to be around like minded people. I just put it that.
1: Yeah, way. yeah. No, I don't, seriously. I don't share a lot. yeah well and you know what there's this thing now and i think you and i where we we have so we find the same things funny and we notice the same things and i think one of the things for us and even why this podcast is so brilliant really is that you know there are so many people like faking, you know, and like when you've been doing this thing, this thing in corporate, you've been doing the work, you've been educated, you've been doing the work, like you're doing this thing. It's just like not like for real legit, check my credits, check my business status, check my insights, like where I'm like, we've been doing this thing before it was cool to do. And so now there's this whole like flip side where people kind of fake it till they make it. So they show up on social and they got these really cool curated, you know, type, you know, I don't know how many, I remember when I first started doing kind of career advice, it actually started out of a need, like mm-hmm. people always i mean and you you call me all the time as you 've mm-hmm. climbed in your career like, Hey, what do you think about this? How do I negotiate this? It really started from there it didn 't start from me wanting to be popular. It started from people just asking me and me kind of creating a lane to like how do I control this right, and how yeah. do I make something of this so that I can help my own people and now you and when I first started that, there were maybe one or two kind of career people yeah. of color, so to speak now I look up there's a new career girl or male like pop up every week and then you know the first thing I do is like go to their LinkedIn no shade but I'm like you you got out of school last year what who what are you sharing like I you know so it's just this like lived experience so it's not to like brag but it's just sort of like I think there is a very small circle of folks that are really like doing the work and so when you meet those people um who are like Badass in real life, you're like mm-hmm. I need to. I need to be a part of that.
0: It's funny you say that. I was on a. Um, I was on someone else's uh, podcast um, last week. One of my frat brothers. Uh, it's called the Finesse Podcast, and we were just talking. He was like, "Give me an example or tell me someone you feel is finessing the game that's just killing it." And he's like, "I know you, and you're, and it's going to take you to think of it because you're not just going to throw anybody out there." I said, "I absolutely do not believe in premature praise." And I feel that that happens far too often. We've joked about it, to your point. Um, You look at somebody's page, it's like, yeah, you just got out of college two years ago. And that's not to disparage any of our young professionals. yeah. But at the same time, it's what are you talking about? And um, oftentimes, other groups or these different publications, they try to catch the star early. And they feel, well, this person has a little bit of a following, so let's give them this recognition. Yeah. And, and then it also, the negative side of that is it it makes other folks in, at that either professional mm-hmm. level or that age group, they feel like they're not accomplishing what they should because this person has a couple thousand followers over here, yeah, they're not yeah. talking about anything.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think, and also too, like, followship is so interesting, like this idea of followship and influence. And so you are like... I mean, this could have been like a Beyonce fan page six months ago. Like, you know what I mean? So you don't yeah. know how they got 6,000 or 7,000 followers, you know? So uh, it, it's it's interesting that like people put so much weight on it. I think, you know, a lot of that is evolving right now. Followship mm-hmm. is not so popular. I think even brands, as you know, because you're in marketing, are starting to realize that like micro influence and the type of engagement you have, yeah. you know, um, matters, you know, and I, I you know, look, I get tapped by big brands all the time. And so all of these people that are like, let me tell you how to grow your following post this many times. I'm just like, listen, I'm dope in real life. So, you know, you just go, you're going to get this post when I feel like I got something to say. Otherwise, like this is what it is.
0: (laughs) And that's, and I I think that's something that's, um, that I think is shared also in our circle. Like even with my wife and her makeup, she's like, I don't want tens of thousands of followers. I just want to showcase my work. I want the right people to see it. Same thing with my pages. Like I yeah. I post what I want to post public on Facebook and I don't add a bunch of friends. I don't want that. Yeah. I just want to make sure that my message is being sent to the right audience. Um, like even on this podcast, I'm not paying for advertising. I want it to grow organically. Like this is yeah. my this is my baby. I don't care yeah. about X number of downloads. Like when we hit a thousand uh, downloads, that was a hard earned 1,000. That was Kevin yeah. putting in the work, yeah. you know. Yeah. And you know, so we're gonna cut through some of that today um, yeah. and talking about how do you show up as a leader. But first, before we get into the questions that I had, um, you know, I read your bio, your is impressive. Like I said, you dope in real life. Everybody knows Tony knows that, mm-hmm. right? But, looking back at your looking back at your journey, did you ever see it leading to where it is today?
1: no, and i I, I think this is what is why we 're saying what we 're saying about young people who come out and they want to be popular and build a brand from day one. I think. From the beginning, like, I mean, first of all, we didn't really even have social at the beginning of our career. So we're telling our age, but like this thing didn't exist. And I I don't know what it's like or the pressures to to start a career and have this type of, you know, the the access to see impressions of people at your same age group doing things across the world. In my mind, I would think as an ambitious person, it would fuel me to do great things and more access. But on the other side, I can imagine that there's a lot of anxiety. The beginning of my career. I feel like probably like you would agree Kevin is that I only knew like a traditional trajectory right so my 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 sole goal was like make it to a c-suite right like that was like the biggest I could possibly straight dream straight path right um and um and then you get in and you start working, you start understanding the landscape, you start understanding your industry, you start understanding that your career is more of a jungle gym than like an upward climb. And then you started to realize also like account for you, like your own internal life decisions and how you want to work, right? Like, I have no interest now that I know what it would be. You know, I, my traditionally for people who are listening, like I started out traditionally in HR. I, although I'm focused heavily now in DNI, and I and I do a lot of different things and speak, and I, I own my own business. At the beginning, though, I was an HR practitioner. You know what I mean? And so the sole goal would be like, oh, one day I'm going to be a vice president of HR, or CHRO. And then you get to a certain point in your career where you start to be like, is that really what I want to be doing? And how do I serve not only myself and my family the best, but then also what, what's going to get me up in the morning, right? So mm-hmm. there are just things that you don't know um, in, in the beginning. So like the answer to your question, no, this is not where I thought I would be.
0: And I, I, obviously, I knew the answer to that. Um, you know, I, I met you relatively early in your career. And thinking back to my own journey, you know, back when we met, I was doing um, design and doing photography and things like that. So, of course, I thought my career would be in some sort of creative space. But then you get in, you learn in landscaping, you know, for me, that morphed from design into marketing. And I, I wanted to ask that question specifically because when I talk to different groups around personal branding and, and goal setting, I tell them it's going to change. So don't, don't, don't anchor your goals in whatever you think it is now, but you have to have some sort of North star or some kind of point yeah. to aim to say, well, I, I want to be like, to your point, you want to be, you know, C-H-R-O. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I got too many letters for that one. Yeah, it's but, but it shifted once you got in. And the lesson in it is not to be so rigid. Mm-hmm. But be open to learning different avenues around that career path. So I just wanted to, you know, kind of yeah. echo, you know, something yeah. that I, I preach pretty often on that yeah. that regard.
1: Yeah. And I, you know, now I I shift as a coach of women and people of color. One of the things that I talk about all the time now is like career contentment and career clarity having those two things, I think, make it very clear about your your path forward. Because I think when we focus on the climb or we focus on a specific destination, we compromise a lot of ourselves. Like we become a version of ourselves. And I don't know, you know, you've been in corporate a long time, but I know there got to a point in my career where I was like, every person of color that looked like me That was at the top was a version of themselves. And I was like, at some point, if I got to become a version of myself to make it to the top, then I don't want it. And that's not to say every, that's probably a, a, a really large general statement. There were a few that weren't, and I wanted to study those few. Like you, I'm somebody that's like, I need to read a book. I need to understand what is it about this particular person That stands out to me because that's that's the kind of swag I want to have like I this is the kind of thing that that I want to I kind of want to grow up and be and it wasn't a role. It wasn't a title. It was like a type of career swag I wanted to have. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's what
0: it kind of shifted to. And, you know, and of course, I because I've known you for so long, it's been cool to see that happen, like knowing, you know, way back, I think you were at the Medical Academy Academy way back when we first met. And just hear some of our conversation just around the climb and the experiences and um, you know different things that kind of went on, kind of seeing it shape who you are and kind of finding your voice. And so that's where you wanna be. You don't want to be a version of yourself. And you know, people talk about your authentic self, bring your authentic self to work. And to me, it's the Kevin you get at work is the Kevin you're gonna get at home. And the only thing that's gonna shift a little bit might be my tone or something, but that happens in my relationship. With my wife, I talk to her and I, have to, I don't say certain things or I talk to my dad, I don't say certain things. So it's not about code switching specifically, but how do you bring your authentic self to right. show up at work so you don't have to, when you get in a car, put on that, you know, put on that fake smile or get in there and then at work, you hate it. Like I go yeah. and I enjoy being myself and being as opinionated as I am at work yeah. and, and things like that. So it's cool to see you thriving in being who you are and empowering other people to do the same. Yeah. What have been some of your uh, most significant accomplishments in your career?
1: I think my most significant accomplishment is being able um, to to build a brand outside of my professional brand. Um, that that kind of summarized any like accolade that I could list. Like I could sit up here and be like, I've been on these councils. I've been, I've won these awards. But the reality is... One of the reasons that I am the way that I am and that I show up in corporate spaces or in predominantly white spaces or spaces that we're not necessarily welcomed um, with a certain type of, um, you know, swag, if you will, is because ultimately um, I realize that like I come with a professional Rolodex. A network, um, my own sort of built pedigree, not the one that they have like kind of predetermined as the standard. Mm-hmm. And every time I take a job, I collect different touch points, different re- different resume. You know, um, you know, my resume becomes you know additive, and I add more things to it, things that I want to accomplish. And when I leave that company, I take that with me. And I think the biggest accomplishment for me, and I tell people this all the time, like people become attached to the title in the company, but a company is a business, right? Mm -hmm. And you are an asset within that, right? And so that means that depending on what happens to that company, you you, you can be, um, you know, disposable. And so ultimately, if you don't have if you don't, if you don't build your brand outside of the company that you're in, um, you know it, it can be very taxing and challenging mm-hmm. in your career. And so, to me, the biggest accomplishment is. Like whoever I come, whatever I come in the door with, I'm taking with me, you know, it's kind of like a marriage, right? Mm -hmm. Like, you know, so, so that's how I feel. And I'm sometimes taking more depending on who I marry. So that's kind of how it is with a company too. You know what I mean? So that's, that's what I feel like. I feel like that's my biggest accomplishment. There are a ton of things I could list. You read my bio that I'm proud of, but I'm most proud of the fact that it is a privilege for me to go work in a corporate space. And people know that. Mm-hmm. Like when I choose you, I am choosing you. This is not the opposite way around. You're not, I'm not, I'm, you know, it's not like I'm being chosen. Like I, I'm a benefit to any corporate space that I work in.
0: Which that's something that, um, I felt like, if, if anybody's been in any of my little personal branding chats, it's like you read some of the slides, but what I talk about is, um, one of the things that I wish I had been empowered to do earlier in my career is to understand the partnership piece that you just mentioned. Yeah. And far so, uh, you know, far too often, especially for black folks, we are taught to go get a job, keep our heads down, don't make any waves, just be happy. You got a good job. And the, the more you climb your career, the more you see it as I'm bringing this to the table. You all chose me because of all of this that I bring to work, my relationships, my skills, and it's that partnership piece. And if more people understood that a little lower in their career, the more leverage, the more um, footing they have walking the door. And when you take that mentality, it's can't nobody, can nobody mess with you. Yeah. Like, you know what? This can all go away, but I'm dope in real life and I yeah. can make some phone calls. I'll be down for a couple of days, a couple of weeks.
1: Yeah. However long it takes, but I'm not going to be down forever. Right. And, and that's the thing. Right. So like what happens is, you know, people get on this hot horse and they become, um, mm-hmm. you know, an extension of their corporate brand. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, And I, like right now, even now, I always so any corporate company that's interested in me, like, like I'm not for sale. Like I'm gonna come in and I'm gonna do this job that you asked me to do, but I'm done with being an extension of your brand, building your brand. Like I'll, I'll do whatever it is that, and I'll do it superbly. But like in terms of me, like, you know, I'm tweeting, I'm social, I'm doing all this thing. And I, I got your big logo across my. I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that because I have a brand. And so unless we can work alongside each other, unless our brands can be adjacent, unless mm-hmm. it's a mutual exchange, you know, because a lot of people don't understand when you get hired, depending on the state that you're in, many of the states are at will employment. Yep. But the way that most, you know, most people of color view at will employment is like, oh, I can be fired, you know, you know, you know, without reason, you know, just because they want to fire me unless, of course, you know, you know, no, no discriminatory things, but, but I can be fired. But the the piece of at will verbiage that people always miss is that it's mutual. So when you when you quit a job and you go in and you give your two weeks, that's all at will employment is saying is like you can fire I can fire you and you can fire me, mm-hmm. right? And if we understand that model, like we would be. So much better off if we understood like if we had clear, you know career contentment and clarity and we knew what we were you know I always when I coach people I'm like what are you coming to get and people are mm-hmm. like what do you mean like what are you coming to get what is it that you need to achieve in this season right sometimes you're in a season where like I just need to get my kids through college right I need to I need to get an advanced degree I need to have a baby you know like whatever it is like there is an exchange right and you are in a season so you need to figure out what those core objectives are and if if anything doesn't if it doesn't align to those four things like I wouldn't even worry about it like I don't mm-hmm. even get bothered by certain things because it's like listen I know what I'm here to get and early on in my career Kevin it just wasn't like that you know what yeah. I mean early on in my career it was like I just mad about everything mad I didn't get promoted Mad I felt like so much was owed to me just for being good like I I mean and I don't even know if I was good honestly I I just did my job right (laughs) and I was like I felt like I needed to be rewarded and I was mad and and certainly you know we won't get into like you know the unfairness of equity and the things I mean we can but you know there are certain things that weren't fair and and my feelings were valid in comparison to my peers um but my mindset is so different now like nobody owes you anything
0: Mm-hmm. So we'll touch on that piece a little bit um, in a little bit of where you just mentioned around you felt some things were owed to you. I'm gonna, we're going to come back to that. But first, um, you talked about your brand is bigger than than your, your job or an employer. And that brings up Uh, something you started a couple years ago called Power Moves. So I just wanted you to kind of give a little short commercial on what it is, because it's been cool to see that blow up out of nowhere. Out of
1: nowhere, right? Just a simple, it really started, Kevin, everything. And this is why I was like, your gifts make room for you. Everybody wants to build a brand, but I don't even know that I'm building a brand. I'm just being who I am and trying to serve the people. And then things are happening, right? So Power Moves really came out of this need. You know, As a big kind of female empowerment type of movement but what I was finding was that even as a coach I was finding that people were coming to me and feeling like there wasn't any real professional development that spoke to the needs of people of women of color right and so I was like you're right like there really wasn't anything you know I had I had gone to um Black Enterprises Women of Power Summit, mm-hmm. and um, it was phenomenal. Was, that,
0: was this the one I was at the White House? You no, had find, you have to find a way no. to talk so so to say to here. So two, two, two,
1: two things I went to. <laughs> so I'll talk about them because they kind of happened really in close proximity. So I got nominated as a change maker for the state. Uh, the the White House uh, State of Women Summit, right? So right before Michelle Obama was uh, the the end of the Obama reign, they had come up with this whole State of Women initiative and they brought change makers from across the US into um, a summit um, that was sponsored by the White House. Phenomenal, right? Oprah Winfrey, every big name you could think about was in this room and these amazing powerhouse women from across the nation were in this room. There's nothing to ever that experience, it can never be replaced, outdone. Just, I could talk about it for days, we won't, but that's the summary of it. So, I also in that same year went to black enterprises i used to i used to write for black enterprise and as mm-hmm. a writer um sometimes you get to go to some of the major events and i went to black enterprises women of power summit and um participated in different ways but the bottom line was i went and it was like i had never went before and i you know it had been long on my list but just never got around to mm-hmm. it so then when i started writing for black enterprise as a a career contributor I got this opportunity to go. And when I went, I was like, wow, here this, this little small, I don't even call it small, but I'll call it small in comparison to like, if you've ever went to like a huge national conference, you know, mm-hmm. it's not, it's not like 7,000 women. It's, you know, it's a really it's a small, very concentrated group. it's a concentrated group. It's not small, but I would, I mean, if I had to guess, I would say 500, 750 under, maybe under 1500 women. I'll just say that it's not a lot of women. Right. But there are all these major brands there. But one of the things that is that is there is like everybody is somebody. Right. And at the same time, like, you know, um, I was working for a corporate company at that time. I had a big title Um, on top of that. I was writing for Black Enterprise. So Black Enterprise, you know, sort of comp my 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 tickets. But then my company paid for all the rest of it. So this was like completely free for me. And. I left that room and I and I actually not only did they do that, but they also let me bring a guest. Right. So I brought a friend who was also a powerhouse like really high level corporate friend and we we just we just enjoyed it like we're sitting out you know, eating a Caesar salad and, and surely Caesar, no, no pun intended. is literally sit, <laughs> sitting next to us, like talking to us. Right. I mean, like I die. And so we're just, it just is a, an amazing room. And I kept saying like it, but it is so hard to get in that room. Like black enterprise women, of power summit is not cheap and that's no, it it deserves to not be cheap. So mm-hmm. I'm not knocking it. It, every penny you pay to be in that room, it, it is you you deserve to pay it because that is the type of relationship building like i wasn't even prepared as a networker for i missed so many opportunities because i was just in awe right and i will say that i came back and said how how w- wouldn't it be great if we could create this same type of dynamic in like more of a regional level like in mm-hmm. a smaller way right and so the initial idea was just to do this small thing right and I was talking to um, the chairman of um, in Dallas I live in Dallas for those listening um, of um Dress for success, and she was like, "Well, you should do it. You could do it here." And the first year that I did it, it was super organic. It was just like you have this idea, see if you can get a bunch of amazing women. And then now it's just like every time I try to quit it, like it won't quit. Like even now, people are like, "I'm on a hiatus," and people are like, "But when is it coming back, yeah. sis? Like why don't you go on a tour?" Like it's crazy, insane. Um, but again, the whole purpose of of Power Moves was really um, just. Women who are making power moves and women who, um, needed to be in shared spaces to make room for each other mm-hmm. to know each other right and everything that was out at that time was like kind of female empowerment where like you got like a flower crown and yeah. it was like all this fun stuff but nobody was really giving you like true business tips or, take
0: away and apply when you got yeah like there to was work on Monday.
1: yeah there was nothing strategic like it was very very like fun and you know we're gonna do the lecture slide and then we gonna leave and we're gonna be like girl that was fun um, and so I really really <laughs> wanted to create like a space for women where we could talk about real things, you know what I mean? That we're experiencing and where you could make connections and you could hear from women um, that are, you know, high level. And, you know, we've had, and every year we kind of give out an award and, we we our first year uh that we gave out award uh, an award, it's just one one award every year, um, was uh Vanessa DeLuca who was used to be the former uh chairman of um Essence uh or editor, I'm sorry, of Essence, and um is now with Medium. But it, it just in and, and subsequently we've continued to, to do it. But that that's the plug, that's the that's the purpose
0: of it. And so as you were just talking about that, you know, the I was just thinking about what we talked about earlier just that common thread of me you jackie and when i had jackie on we were talking about some people are creators and some people are just kind of planners and you started your conference she started her conference she has some things going on out there i started a podcast it's like we see a need and we feel it in, yeah and then there's that that pressure of if not me then who, who? And if not now when yeah and you know, that, that that's kind of like the genesis of, of this podcast. And you know, I'm going through this, so I'm actually finishing up this program in Northwestern, uh, the nonprofit executive program. And I thought, there are so many resources here that black and brown people will not see. Right. And so what am I going to do to make sure that I'm not the only, I get tired, just, just like you, I'm sure you get tired of being the only black or the other black person. Right. And so how do you bring those yeah. resources back and you, you yeah. create and you have yeah. a network and you just make it happen?
1: So yeah.
0: you know, just bring it. At, just yeah. want to bring that point back full of circle.
1: Yeah, no, and I mean, even when Jackie and I talked, I mean, we, the last conversation we had, you know, it might seem nerdy, but we we're on the phone talking about her new board appointment, and she's like, "Girl, you got everything to be on someone's board. Why are you not on someone's board, right?" And she's talking about her board experience, and we're sharing like the insides, you know, mm-hmm. and being flown out on the jet. Like she's great, she's fantastic, and I think, I, I think that you only meet women like her. You only meet women when, when there's like someone, and I felt like there was just a need. Like, how do you meet women like her to have the kind of conversations for someone to say, listen, this is how I'm moving. This is how I'm getting paid. This is how I'm doing these things. I, I am such a, like you, Kevin, I think we're both very similar in being connectors, right? Mm-hmm. We want dope people to know dope people, you Absolutely. know? Um, and even back in the day when you had progressive Greek and we were all working together to kind of, Kind of move that momentum and it came became this big army of people you know you and i both are just like um you know and even back then what was my title i was like strategic partnership strategic operations
0: partnership partnership partnership
1: partnership or something, partnership, but, but or something?
0: You, anybody we wanted to feature in there was a phone call away yeah All i know this person let's call and it's i feel like yeah. that's the goal to be able to connect dope people with other dope people it's not about the yeah. ego or anything like that you know yeah i consider myself a convener of people Bring them yeah. together and see what happens. See
1: what happens. Yeah, absolutely.
0: And so um, I wanted to bring you on today specifically to talk about leadership. And I know you've done some you know, extensive writing and, and talking about it. And earlier you mentioned just in your own career, um, you're thinking back and you're like, man, you know, uh, some opportunities didn't present themselves. I was doing good work. Mm-hmm. But fast forward now that you're such a seasoned veteran, Um In your years of experience, why do you feel most people are passed up for opportunities uh, in leadership, leadership opportunities, that is?
1: (laughs) Okay, so I'm going to answer this in in two ways, right? Because I'm going to answer it. There are two answers because one, there is a systemic issue and I don't want to ignore it. So I'm going to answer that question because there's someone listening going like, nah, Right.
0: Sounds good.
1: Right. So I got to address that piece. Right. But oftentimes um, and I and I normally I've done a workshop called the politics of promotion and most often it's about people not understanding um, kind of the four stages of career. And I won't get into all of the four stages, but at the end of the day, I kind of do a, a a course on it. And I'm one day I'm gonna make it a virtual course because I feel like I get this question a lot around understanding where you are in the course of the climb, so to speak. And I call it the politics of promotion. And what most people don't understand is that exactly what i said in the beginning in terms of like owning your own brand when you talked about you know doing this um you know program through northwestern like we wait for someone to come knock on our door and bless us and say that we're ready right and then that never happens. And then we grow resentment, but we sit in those organizations and fester. Mm-hmm. And then we talk to other people like us and be like, well, you know, um, they ain't gonna promote you, right? And we just become that person, right? Um, and then there's always one or two people that come in and you'd be like, dang, how did they move like that? And what they knew and what they understood was the politics of promotion. They understood, they they stopped to investigate the landscape of the organization and understand leadership philosophy within that organization and how, or what, and what, and they were very observant about what it takes, right? Two, they came in already doing the extracurriculars and the things that they needed to do for the brand. And then three, I think there's just like, there wasn't a weight on the promotion. It was just like, I'm gonna, leaders gonna lead, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So, I mean, at the end of the day, those are the things. Now, on the flip side of this, when we talk about systemic racism and we talk about the lack of opportunity and the lack of representation, I think one of the things that fails us most is that like, and I wanna say this, right? The game is rigged, Mm -hmm. right? It is not intended for you to win. So can we all just take that in for a moment? and breathe with it the game is rigged and so if you're trying to play the game um and i think one time and me one time me and me me and kevin had come up with this idea that we want to start a podcast called chestnut checkers that's right, <laughs> right?
0: that's right And
1: it, that that is a saying that everybody hears like seriously the game is rigged so if you're trying to play a game And and in order that you feel like I do this and then this happens and I do this and then this happens, you are going to be a very unhappy and unfulfilled person. Right. So what I now have been saying is that you have to upset the setup. And so you have to play with a hand that you know is already rigged for you to lose. So if you know the outcome. And you understand the outcome as opposed to being angry about it. Like the end of the day, like I always have a plan A and a plan B plan A is I can show up, be my best self, my most authentic self, understand the landscape. This will happen. But if this outcome doesn't happen, I'm getting these five things while I'm here. And then I'm gonna flip that and make more money and take all of these things with me. Like that's how you play with a loaded hand, like understanding that the game is rigged. For most of us, we want to talk about leadership in this very like soft, orthodox, like if I do this thing and if I show up this way and it's just like, nah, like, so it's a little bit of both of those things, right? Understanding the politics of promotion and understand what it takes and what promotion looks like within your own internal organization. But then on the flip side of that, it's like, also, understanding that the game is rigged and it's not meant for you to not meant for you to win. What book you looking for? <laughs>
0: oh, <laughs> I was looking for what you just said. Um, reminded me of, of of a section in the book called "Still in the Corner Office." And I was trying mm. the guy's name. Thing is, Brendan Reed is his name, I believe. But he talks about um, and you what you were saying about the policies of promotion. He talked about. Um, when you're trying to advance in a workplace and people always throw up, I don't do politics. And he's like, well, everything in life is politics. And if you don't want to accept that play of rules, then be content where you are and don't ever complain. There's always going to be some politics. You have to understand it and know the pieces on the board yeah, and how to navigate around them. Otherwise, again, like you said earlier, nothing is owed to you and you're just going to be disgruntled and upset.
1: Yeah. And there are things that in fairness, like I don't do right. Like, In order to be my most authentic self and for career contentment. So one of those things is like, I don't, I don't really love like having to posture for status or, um, you know, be become a certain way because of like, I I kind of align. But what that means is that I have to have clarity around organizations that I'll fit in being my most authentic self. So rather than like punishing a company for being who they are and who they were, when you just said, I want to be aligned to this company, you know, it's all these sexy names and I won't call out companies. Everybody wants to work for them. And then they get in there internally and then they're mad about the company that they, yeah, the culture. And again, it goes back to like being in a corporate company is like a marriage, right? Sometimes we marry the wrong people, right? (laughs) So that's the reality of it. And so, I mean, I I think that that's the biggest piece there too, is like, there are are absolutely things that you can say I'm unwilling to do. There are, there are things in politics that I don't like, right? And, and, and I don't want to play them, right and i 'm not going to do them, but I do that understanding that there is a penalty for it too mm-hmm. right and i and i 'm balanced emotionally around that penalty
0: so everything you 're saying here just kind of sums up like where I am professionally, where you are professionally, and it's it 's really protecting your peace, and that comes right. through experience that comes through failure we 've both had um, great work examples we 've had terrible work examples, and so from there you learn. In order for me to be happy, these are the condition, these are my conditions for success. These things need yeah. to be in place and to your point, I can't penalize this particular company if that's not their setup. That means I will not thrive there. I'm not going to waste my time right and, but again it's about positioning, doing your research, being prepared to say no and to turn on those opportunities because your peace and your, um, you know, your happiness ultimately is it's on you. And that's not to say it gets super picky out of you gotta, you gotta do a little work before you can get to that point. Yeah. So especially for those that haven't quite figured it out, that's not saying turn down every place that won't let you do this one thing or these two things. You'll learn what those things are over time and you get to the point where it's like oh these are my things you don't do that that's a that's a big thing for me so i'm just gonna go over here um even leadership positions there are different leadership expectations once you move up in that same organization that made sense for you at your level where you came in but as you move up it's like oh i'm expected to do these things and go this place and lead this and that it's just not a good fit for me um so, that, that comes with experience and, and some self-inventory uh, and self-reflection. Mm-hmm. But how do you signal to um, your leaders, your organization, that you are willing and ready to step up and be a leader?
1: There is a, um, a saying that leadership isn't the problem, it's the solution. Um, and that great leaders don't tell you what they do, they show you how it's done and I think how you signal that, that I feel like I was a leader long before like I got, a, I got a title. Like I just, it's just how I showed up in the room. And I tell this story, one day I'm gonna write a book, I'm gonna finish the book, because listen, for real, like Not I have playing. so many. No, for real, like I have a whole book on my laptop, y'all. Um, but, but in real life, you know, I I tell this story in 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 settings all the time. Around, I was working for this company. And they had, when you got to a certain le- level um, in executive ranks, you got like a, a headshot, right? So when you looked in this, the company internal system, and I'm going to tell this because this is because of Kevin. So when you looked in the company system, um, anybody, it wasn't like the company was saying, you couldn't have a professional headshot. It was just that if you got hired as an executive or promoted as an executive, they sent you to this studio and you got this headshot and it was for PR packaging and all of these things. But if you got if you were lower level, you know, somebody put you against like a hall wall um, and just <laughs> snapped your picture. So the beginning of this started out with me being vain a little bit, but the other piece of it was I wanted to show up as my best self and you taking a picture of me in a hallway just wasn't my best self. It, it agitated me every time I came up on outlook or I came up on something or I was speaking for something (laughs) internal company and I had this like ugly raggedy picture, right. Which was like the default picture. So one day, um, I had some headshots done and I sent Kevin a note and I said, and I never get to tell this story in front of Kevin, but I tell this story all the time, Kevin. But I sent note, Kevin a note, as I do oftentimes when I want him, when I beg him to do things for me. And I said, hey, can you take this, this headshot that I've taken? It was a nice uh, headshot, but it, I don't remember what the background was. It was busy or it was shot, you know, whatever. And I said, could you make it just like a professional blue background? Because everyone got these like professional blue backgrounds listen, he said, yeah. I happen to be talking at, you know, and this is another thing that I'm going to say. This is kind of a detour, which is that a lot of times we get in companies and we want to hobnob with high-level folks, right? But one of the things you need to remember is everybody is the plug. And one thing that I have mastered is that, like, when you when you know executive admins, you know the janitor, the facilities person, you know the physical security. The physical security guy told me, you know you can just change your picture, right? You could just put in a request and have your picture changed. I said, I'm sorry, what? He was like, oh, yeah, there ain't no rule you can't change your picture. This is just the process that we do. People come in, no one, no one really ever asked to change their picture, right? I was the only person who had ever asked in like a decade since they've been doing company pictures to change my picture. And the security guy you know, said, Yeah, you could just, you know, just once you get the picture, send it to me and put in a request and I'll change it. I sent it to Kevin. Kevin changes the background. And now I look, I mean, I'm Spody. I mean, I, I already <laughs> looked good in the picture. I got a full suit on, but now I look, it looks like the executives. When I tell you I changed my image and simply by changing my image in the company system, um, people would call me and talk different. They, were, they mm-hmm. were like, it was like they were confused. They were like, I don't think she's an executive, but her title picture. But she has the picture. Like, what is it? And literally, it was like, opportunities within that company start to pursue me and and ultimately how I actually got to Texas was eventually they were building a region out and they had hired um, a CTO who said, listen, I'm going to have a largely millennial population. I know that this role is t- typically like a sunset role and it's typically like, you know, somebody who's kind of ending their career and they've been an executive for years, but I need a young, fresh, like who do you have that is like a young, fresh-minded leader? And the first person, um, the chro, and at that time, um, the ed that in the area, they were like, we know who. And I literally, they knocked on a door, and I had a, I got a huge role for that company. That never existed. So if we think about the mentality, going back to our first point around knowing, like, did you ever envision you would be here? How? When the role literally got created just yeah. for me, that that there wasn't even a region in that particular area. It had never existed. So someone knocked on my door one day and said, what do you think about Dallas? And I was like, what you mean? They were like like relocating to Dallas and becoming a regional leader and I was like, "Wait, I'm sorry. Did you say regional leader?" And they're like, "Yeah." And all of it I I literally attribute it to Kevin's photo <laughs>
0: personal brand. <laughs> personal
1: brand, right? Like yeah. changing that personal brand. This sounds so small, but it's, but it's like It's how you show
0: up. It's how you, it's show, how up you show
1: up. It's how yeah. you show up. Yeah.
0: Mm, okay. You yeah, know, I, I I never heard this story. I just probably see my face. I, you can probably see a little blush, but. Um, so I'm gonna fast forward a little bit here. And so say now you've got, you, you have been elevated into that leadership role. What are common mistakes leaders make once they get into that, that new position?
1: I think the biggest mistake is like you're if if you don't know how to lead and your ability to delegate I think as an HR person something that I get kind of um always get kudos for is and it's just a natural ability but typically not everyone is like obviously not an HR person right but one of the things is like I am really good at identifying talent and knowing what spot they should play in, right? And playing to their strengths. And I remember taking on a global role and I came in and it was just like a mess. It was a hodgepodge of mess. And I had, I had inherited some folks, but I also needed to clean up and build on my team. And one of the first things that I did was like, look at their resumes, look at what their strengths were. And then I said, listen, we got to create some delineation in these roles and what people are responsible for, not only so that the organization can understand their functionality, but so that they know, you know, I can set some metrics to this. I can see how, and so there were people that, that that I had inherited that People were like, they're not good and you need to fire them. And then all of a sudden I came in and said, no, like this person should really be doing this. And this Mm -hmm. person should really be doing this. And then I communicated outwardly like, Hey, this is, these are the things that they're going to be doing. And here's the lane they're responsible for for and simply doing that it was like I built a a like a machine. And like, people were like, dang, like you completely turned that entire division around. And I'm like, yeah, because people were sitting in the wrong seats. Mm -hmm. It was like a jambalaya of mess. And so they could never climb out of it. You know, they were just like all collecting issues for the company in one box. You just forwarded it to, you know, this inbox. And then this team never had a real leader. And then they were just like trying to work through it. And, you know, you got peers trying to lead peers. It was a mess. Mm -hmm. Um, And so one of the things I think that, um, leaders fail at doing is being able to identify talent and making those talents, um, putting those talents in roles that put them in conditions, you know, create the best conditions for them to succeed so that you look good as well. Right. Because if they are happy and thriving, then you also look good. Um, and I think that's the biggest thing. It takes people a long time. You have a lot of people who are good at their job, but not good at leading people in doing mm-hmm. that job.
0: Absolutely. That's a lot of what you just mentioned, um, kind of falls in that performance management piece. When typically people hear that performance management means you're on a, a you getting a write yeah. up or there's something yeah. wrong, and it's like, no, I want to manage your performance. And 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 <clears throat> leadership, like you said, is setting up setting people up for success, removing barriers, being able to step back and look at workflow, swim lanes, all that, and say, these people are not in the uh, in the right role there's uh, no delineation um there's confusion they don't know what they're supposed to do they don't know how they're measuring their work what does success look like and that's the role of the manager you spend so much time well number one i feel you have to be completely invested in your team you got to own them you can't even if you inherit a team that has some performance issues you have to own them because you don't know what their process uh for development look like and to your point like in that situation they weren't put in, in, uh, in roles to succeed. And so now you have to clean it up and now you have rockstar performers, but no one else took the time to do that. So you have to be fully invested in your team and figure out, okay, I've provided all these conditions. Now, if you want to self-select out, that's on you, but I've given you all of the, the tools you need to succeed and shown that I'm invested in, you Now, you know, if that doesn't align with where you are anymore, that's fine. It's time to leave. But, um, but that's, that's leadership. It's not dictating. It's spending time with your people and talking yeah. and learning and, and, and positioning. So I have two super hard questions. I didn't even send these to you at a time. Uh-oh. The hardest okay. questions that I ask people. Okay. Um, what is your favorite book and why?
1: Ooh. I think... <laughs> and it's just gonna suck for the guys, but I think the book that I love the most for my own heart, there are a lot of good leadership books, um, but there's a book called How Exceptional Black Women Lead um, by Dr. Avish uh, Jones DeWeaver. Am I saying that right? I think, but she's, and I'm friends with her, I know her. Um, we've set up some panels together, fantastic human. Um, she has since switched gears a bit, but when I tell you every time I hand that book to a black female, they call me and it's like, How come I never knew about this book? Fantastic book. Um, mm-hmm. so for black women, I, I just think I I don't know that like if you read it as a man that you wouldn't take away brilliant things, but I mean it's literally called how exceptional black women lead. Um and Every time I read that, I mean, I remember the first time I read the book, I texted her and said, I wish I had written this book. And she was started laughing and she, she underplays it. But the book is just, it is the, every time I hand it to someone, I get a call, like in the middle of the night where they're like deep in the book. And they're like, I just, I have no words. Like I am changed because of this book. The book is, is absolutely fantastic. I think it's my favorite book
0: um, I will make around sure. leadership. I'll link that in the show notes. I'll also link people to your whole curated oh, section yes. on the corporate com.
1: Yes. And I need I to update there, it. I go
0: there. And, you know, I look for different books and I've, I've borrowed your ideas. That's actually something that I'm putting on um, the League of Leaders. It, it's helped for me. You know, I put the call out on Facebook saying, what books are written by black people? Yeah. I have tons of books written by non-black people, but I need some books mm-hmm. written for black people. We learn yeah. things, we experience things in a different way.
1: Yeah. And yeah, you're
0: yeah. like, oh, here, you ain't even saying, you like, here go this link, here you go. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, okay, got all these books in a little synopsis. I'm, yeah. I'll, link, I'll make sure I link. Uh, yeah.
1: And I try to give a little of breakdown of like why you should read this book and if you're yep. doing this thing um, just to make it quick because sometimes we're like, should I read this book? What does it mean? I don't want you to have to go to, you know, um, kind of like the reviews. So I try to say like if you are introverted and you're looking for this, read this book. Um, so yeah, super dope. Um, and I try, I need to update it. Um, I coach people and they're like, this should go on your list. And I just haven't had time to update it in a while. Yeah. Yeah, for
0: sure. So, my last question is if you could have a coffee date with anyone in the world, Ooh. who would it be and why?
1: Dang. Oh my gosh, Kevin. I, like, that's so hard. <laughs> like,. know most people would pick like Oprah because you know I stand some Oprah now y'all know Kevin knows like I like I will fight you in the street like you dare not (laughs) say I am the biggest Oprah stand. so I feel like it goes without saying right but
0: if she was busy that day if she was
1: busy busy that day because I feel like that's like a like come on right Mm -hmm. i mean and and for a lot of people people are probably listening like yeah well everybody loves oprah no like seriously i i love oprah in a special kind of way we're in a relationship in our heads my head not her head but i i really am a big a big oprah fan um but honestly i think that this sounds weird but there's a new fresh voice her name is Brittany pagnet cunningham um She's an activist, um, and she's just so brilliant to me. Like, I just want to pick her brain. I just want to be like, sis, like, how? Like, she's just so... Uh, like intriguing to me because she's so authentically herself. She's so smart. Like she is just, um, I think I would be more interested in meeting with a new, like young fresh voice than I would like older voices. Cause I feel like a lot of the older folks they put out, they've given so much of themselves. They have books. I mean, if you really want to know what that coffee is going to be like, like, you know, Oprah got nine. Like, I don't know how many books she has at this point, but I think I have all of them. Um, I mean, what I know for sure is pretty much what your coffee is going to be like, right? That yeah. book. Um, and I feel like there's so many, brilliant, and I know it sounds crazy. Like people would be like, you know, they would say all these, but for me, I, I, it's just, she's just so, I think she is like, it's heavy to say this. And I, I like, I, I, but I feel like she's the next big future like MLK or like, I mean, she is just like the next, for her generation, right? Um, Quietly, um, I think she's just super brilliant. And I, I, I just don't, I have so many questions and just to like, I mean, I think she's super dope and we know I know people who know her but it's like it's standing now did. like you know what I mean but it's it, it would be super weird but like I think she's just and I plug her all the time like when I'm on podcasts because like people will ask me questions but she's just one of the voices I follow as it relates to just really understanding the landscape of like you know social action and and you know just every I mean she's just so damn brilliant I just it, it's 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 hardly ever that I see someone younger than me that I'm like, damn, like they got it. You know what I'm saying? Like, and that's not to knock the the next generation, um, but you can just look. You know your you know your kind of people, you know, and it's just it, and it's it's way bigger it's way bigger than me for sure. Like it just her her amazing amazing energy shows up in a big way, so you can tell she's gonna like you'll look back at this in ten years and be like, dang, remember when you said like she'll be she'll be huge.
0: Okay. Well, Tony, how can people get in contact with you?
1: Listen. Uh, at the corporate tea on all social handles you know I try to make it easy we try to make it simple you tea know tea like you drink tea like the drink yeah at the corporate tea, T-E-A. Um, the corporate tea dot com um, yeah I mean if you if you're looking for like small business infrastructure and you know you're looking for some some, some work and some consulting um, tctconsultantgroup.com um, listen, I'm doing everything, moving and shaking, but you can find me. I'm real easy to find me. Google, Google me. Isn't that used? To, that used to be the saying, right? All right. Google so
0: me. you, so it's like a true parent. What, what the kids say, Google me, right? <laughs> what the
1: kids say, Google me.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> Well, look, it's, it's been real. You know, we, uh, we we mentioned earlier before we started recording, we hadn't really seen each other face to face. We typically would get down to Dallas like once a year. We yeah. haven't done that uh, yeah. because of the, the pandemic. So this was actually us catching up in real time. Yeah. What's going on? Be on Instagram and you know, text message about myriad me at First Sight and all that kind of stuff. So, which I'm going to watch as soon as we're done recording because my listen, text has been blowing up this week. was about Karen. I don't care, crazy. this is gonna sound dated, but I heard Karen is gonna make me want to pour a drink. So, listen, I gotta,
1: I gotta uh, it's a couple people that gonna make you want to pour a drink this week. It is completely outlandish. Like, I think, listen, they were supposed to already have picked by now, and now they're stuck in the house with these people that they really were supposed to be done with like a few weeks ago and it all hit the fan I mean this is the viewers are probably listening like what are they talking about it doesn't matter Kevin and I have certain shows that we collectively participate with in group settings um, and so we we are we always are excited to talk about my
0: text messages in my Facebook inbox isn't blowing up Kevin where is your weekly post I am ready to explode I gotta type (laughs) this so with that said (laughs) <laughs> it's been a pleasure glad we caught right. up we got we got to do a little check in a little bit more regularly but you know i'm glad that i was able to um, have you on the season yeah. finale uh season one finale of legal leaders podcast um so we'll chop it up again hopefully i can get you back on talk a little bit more uh, but until next time i'm your host kevin davis